Hi, this is Claudia Gray, and you're listening to Don't Burn the Sacred Text. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. This is the story of Star Wars. You can read along with me in your book. O is for Obi-Wan Kenobi. All rebel fighters met at fleet headquarters to plan their attack. Princess Leia addressed them. Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. He told me enough. He told me you killed him. No, I am your father. Hello, I am C-3PO, and you are about to listen to the story of Star Wars. Another chapter is here. Welcome to Don't Burn the Sacred Text. I am one of your hosts, Brandon, and I am here with my co-host. She is as marvelous as Thrawn likes to think he is. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Lindsay. I was worried about where you were going with that, because <laughs> I feel like if you and I try and work Thrawn into a compliment, it's not going to be very complimentary. Yeah. But you did good. You this did good. Is, this is, is going to be an interesting one, folks. We are talking about the 75th book in the Thrawn series today, which is <laughs> Thrawn, the Sentency, Greater Good. <laughs> um, and uh, as you can tell, boys and girls, we are off to a salty start, so... Here we go. Uh, but before we get into that, Lindsay, have you been reading anything good lately? No. I. Uh, this book made you quit everything? Just gave up yeah, on reading altogether? This just, this just made me wish that women never learned how to read in the first place. Wow. <laughs> but we'll get there. We'll get there. Thank God you're not on Twitter. You just got canceled. I, I know. Maybe maybe that's it. Twitter actually canceled me and locked me out of my own account. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, have I been reading anything good lately? No, you know, it's I'm in the, the northeast, so we only get a few months of really nice outdoor weather. Um so it's volleyball season now, it's it's bike riding season now. So when I can get some free time, I've prefer to be outside and active whereas winter i feel like is normally my my bundle up sit on the couch and read season yeah yeah uh it's already crossed that here i think it was 87 when i woke up and it's like 105 outside right now or some craziness like that yeah it's pretty brutal um so i've been reading the prequel hunger games novel um trying to remember oh i read that yeah um Wow, song, what is it song of the song of the something burden snake not of the south uh no no um that yeah. is an alabama uh song <laughs> and i like it I, th- I think it's pretty good it's interesting it's pretty it's, good, yeah. yeah i haven't read hunger games in a while and i haven't watched the movies in a while so there's some things i'm picking up and i'm sure there's a lot that i'm missing um but it's definitely definitely a good read if you like those books and you know so, what? I would actually recommend doing it that way because I did as well and I really enjoyed it. But some of my friends kind of reread or rewatched the movies right before it came out. And I think they were kind of disappointed in the fact that the book was so unique and it wasn't just like a straight prequel that led right into it, you know? Yeah, that's um, fair. So, yeah, so I think that's kind of the better way to do it personally. Well, and- and it's also like I feel like it's very much a prequel. Like it's not a prequel like the Star Wars prequels. You know what I mean? Like it's a prequel like the American Revolution was a prequel to the Civil War. Like it's very separated. It's like a prologue. It's yes. a prologue more yes, than anything else. Yeah. Absolutely. And I mean, 
it's it, it's enjoyable. It's really cool to see, you know, um, so the book centers around uh, President Snow and he is about uh, 12 or 13, I think, at the time, something like that. Um, and and it's around the 10th Hunger Games, so it hasn't been around that long. So it's definitely, if, if you like that kind of stuff, if you're a fan of the Hunger Games books, definitely, you know, check it out from the library or, uh, you know, get it yourself. Um, the other thing that I've been doing, so since I had uh, my LASIK, sometimes like you know my eyes are still recovering and like air blowing into my eyes can get a little bit exhausting and so at night sleeping with a fan on you know sitting there reading it's making it harder to fall asleep like i normally do so i've actually been listening to inferno squad again uh as i'm falling asleep which is super cool yeah and it's a uh it's just always good to revisit those characters and of course you know janina reading the book is is not a uh not a downside at all so i'm kind of enjoying that and then um I'm going to be on the road most of tomorrow and or all of tomorrow. Uh, and so I downloaded uh, Light of the Jedi. So I'm going to give that a listen and see what that experience is like. I mostly want to try to get through at least the great disaster, like the actual happening of the great disaster and see how that's executed versus kind of how it played out in my head. So I'm excited about that. Very nice. Not a bad way to spend a car ride. No, not at all. I mean, if you got to spend one, you got to you got to spend it. So all right, so let's get into this book, and the the way we like to do this is give a rating at the beginning, um, and then after that, we will give uh, a rating at the end and see if this conversation either improves our appreciation for the book or um, decreases our appreciation for the book or lack thereof. Um, so, Lindsay, I usually go first. I'm going to let you go first on this one and uh, and give us your – how many uh, little – jewelry pieces do you give this out of five <laughs> freaking jewelry pieces i feel like we need um, a name for them but yeah there wasn't a name though right no I definitely was, uh, like I th- god how can you remember how can you even keep track with all the the names and the oh, letters and the hey, sounds thrown hold, out? hold it we'll get there it. we'll get wait there. for it um is zero an option wow or do i have to give at least one you got to give at least one all right then one all right. But if zero uh, is an option, it'd be zero. All right. I, um, I'm going to give this a two and a half. Generous, my friend. Yeah, yeah. And, wow. And so, so to jump into it, a lot of the Thrawn books, actually, I shouldn't say that. The Heir to the Empire trilogy, the first time I read it through, absolutely loved it second time i read it through when i had a little bit more knowledge of star wars i was like okay this isn't as good as everybody thinks it is it's solid it set things up really good but it gets a lot of nostalgia points and that's totally fine if that's your jam absolutely it's a a gateway series for people to start getting into the books exactly outbound flight was a fantastic book thoroughly enjoyed that haven't made it to the the uh, thrawn duology yet but i do have it in, in my collection the original Thrawn canon novel was absolutely fantastic. Love that yep. book. Um, got me actually was the thing that got me excited to to possibly have uh, Thrawn back. And then the next two books were uh, more painful than passing a kidney stone. And so coming into this ascendancy trilogy, hopefully it's only a trilogy that we're getting. I was a little, I was very apprehensive. 
the first book I felt like did a decent job of world building and stuff. It got me interested in some of the characters. Not a great book, but it it was serviceable. Um, for the most part on this one, and this is the main reason I give it a two and a half, is I was happier than I expected to be. I, I would not say I was loving it, but I also wouldn't say that I was just tolerating it so we could have this conversation on the on the show. Um, there were there were things um, like Haplift and, and that dynamic that I was really intrigued by that kept me um, not running to my book like some do, like a Master and Apprentice or Light of the Jedi or things, but it, it kept me from thinking about how long it was going to be to finish it so I could start another book. But when we get to the end, it all falls absolutely flat on its face yeah. again. Um, for most of the book, and this is this is part of the reason I think I actually kind of liked it, um, we didn't have much to do with Thrawn. Like, I was just going to say that. Yeah. That's what we also said for um, Chaos Rising, too, is Thrawn is best served as not even necessarily a secondary character or anything, but he's just best when we're not in his headspace. And he's so intriguing to watch from an outside perspective or from someone who admires him or is going up against him. That's when Thrawn's at his best. When we are in his headspace, it's, it's not even exhausting. I would imagine it would be like idolizing a magician as a kid and then learning all their secrets when you're like 12 years old and having to go watch the same exact show. You know, it's, it's kind of just this disillusionment mixed in with the fact that he is interesting, but he's not a particularly likable character by any means. You know, he's not someone who you want to stick around with that whole time and really kind of get to know intimately. And in that way, and that is, I, I agree with you. I think the book is better than its predecessor in that regards because he does get to take a back seat and because there is enough else going on. And you had mentioned too, we, we said this over and over in our review of the first one, a major strength was the world building. And the fact that even for us being lifelong Star Wars fans, having read these books for 20 years now, it, it felt new to us. And that's a cool feeling to pick something up and say, okay, th- here's this thing where I, I think you and I could be considered experts on this, but we, we get this fresh perspective and we get these new worlds and cities and technology. That was almost a major setback this time around because once again, I felt like we relied so heavily on that. And it wasn't like, going into Hogwarts or Westeros where you have these really likable characters. So of course you're going to remember their family names. And of course you're going to remember the different cities they're on where, whereas this one in Thrawn were expected to care about every single character and remember their family history and remember what ship they're on and what kind of ship and who else is on that ship. And it just, it didn't happen for me. And it, it's kind of like, I mean, the the stories get convoluted and, and confusing because you have all of these things happening at the same time. And it's like you need like a cork board and, uh, you know, some red string to keep everything together. Yeah. You know? And, yeah. and I, I actually really like, I was very excited when I first opened up my copy. 
And they have the the two pages in the front where it like lists out, you know, kind of who's related to who, where we are, some of the different. And I was excited because I'm one of those those nerds who I love nothing more than when I open up a book and there's a map or a family tree. And I'm like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> we're getting into this. And I and I can keep referencing back, you know, where we are on the map and where we're going next on the map and who's related to who and yeah. and what all these relationships are. But even with that, it still just fell short. And it is, I genuinely believe, because I didn't care about any of the characters. So I didn't necessarily care what they were going through or how they were going to solve a particular issue. There, there were some themes that I really liked in this. I just feel like they were so quickly abandoned for the sake of military strategy. And if that's your jam, awesome. If you, if you like military strategy and, and that kind of story, this is a good book for you. It's just not personally my my thing. Well, the the uh, the first one, the the first ascendancy book, Thalius, or yeah, the the momish and Sheree uh, were the most interesting characters. Like they yeah. really drove the story, and we saw them maybe three times in this. You know, like they were they weren't even B plot characters. They were like C plot side characters. And that was really disappointing because now you're introducing an entire new family, uh, which again, the family dynamic and, and the, the fact that the, the syndicure and, and everything like the military, they're not one above the other, but they're also not parallel. It makes it really confusing to understand the power dynamic that's going on there. Um, and so you introduce, you know, Lakinda, who I thought was a really interesting character, but I didn't feel like was worth investing my time in because I'd been promised that other characters were going to be important before and they weren't. You know what I mean? Like, so mm-hmm. it just makes it really hard. And, and, you mentioned this, and I, I want to get into the, the themes in just a little bit. But the as far as the characters go, like the naming conventions make it impossible Ooh, to track these characters. So hard. Like I so, legit. And you and I are pretty pretty bright, and we're pretty used to these intricate stories with made up names. And for us to sit there and be like, we we can't follow. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. What's going on? Yeah, that's that's not a good thing. Well, and here's the thing, like. I will will openly admit that one of my my big problems when I'm reading it, you know names uh, in in science fiction or fantasy books or whatever is I tend to not read them carefully enough, so I just start pronouncing them the wrong way. I I, I know that I do that because I'll listen to the audiobook and be like, oh, I definitely didn't say that right. But I think that's normal, though. Well, and, I mean, it's the way our brains are also like mm-hmm. wired to work. We kind of just group letters together. And they're recognizable on paper, but exactly. when, yeah, yeah, and, that's, that's totally normal. Well, and, 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 you know, so then most of the time, like you're saying, like my brain just kind of figures it out. You know, it's, it's one of the things like I, I tell my kids, like if you have a problem understanding the name, like just change the name to Bob, like it, unless their name is important to the story, it legit doesn't matter. But this naming convention of the Chiss that he's put in there, now you've got 12 characters all starting with L-A-K. You've got another five characters starting with T-H-R. Like, it's next to impossible to keep track of all of the characters, especially going into a second book. 
you know, like keeping track of who is who is, is it's undoable. And, and I feel like, you know, I don't want to, you know, sound like I'm like a better reader than other people, but like legit, like reading is my life. It's my career. You are it's a reading. Teacher. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like I, I know one or two things about it. And so I feel like I can say with, with, with great conviction that it would be a, a very rare bird that would actually be able to keep track of, of all these different things. And that kind of leads me to one of my biggest problems uh, with this book is this Jixtus character, which I would just like to say is the most laughable name. Um, I'm sorry, that is terrible. Whoever allowed that, that is a terrible, terrible name. It just reminds me of Jackson the Rabbit, and there's it's just it's it's it sounds like a character or a clown that goes to a kid's birthday party. Like it's bad. And and he's not intimidating at all. I don't care about him. Like I literally, which is, it, it's annoying because like Hapliff and the and and that species I was really interested in. But like now we're bowing down to this guy who's just like covering his face and stuff. Like like it's not intimidating. It's not scary. It's not. I have no Pay reason no to be afraid of you. The man behind the curtain. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, exactly what happens when the man behind the curtain comes out. You know, like, we saw it with Snoke. You know, he was the man yeah. behind the curtain in Force Awakens. And then, you know, it was supposed to be really scary. And Last Jedi gets beaten and then becomes a joke in, in Rise of Skywalker, more or less. And, I mean, that... It, it, you can't just give me like this character who does nothing that everybody bows down to. This entire species is basically bowing down to. And then at the end be like, oh, but they're this species that you've never heard of before. And there's a weapon. It's like, what? And you know, one thing too, before we, we dive further into a lot of these themes too, I just want to say my biggest, I think drawback, you know, while yours is this particular character, you, you had mentioned before, what your kind of brain does and and then the way you read sci-fi and or fantasy. And for me, this book was so heavily sci-fi, whereas I really like Star Wars because it's, in my opinion, closer to fantasy, closer to theology. This was so heavily sci-fi. And again, it's not that that's a bad thing. It's just not my jam. You know, yeah, it's a hundred percent. It's yeah. I love, and I've, I've said this time and time again, I love star Wars for the way they address the force. Like it's its own character and the way we can see the way these different religions and these different people and, and um, civilizations kind of interact with it. And that's why the first, I think I told you, I read the first like 50 pages or so and was having such trouble going back to it where normally when I read a star Wars book, I read it in one day. Um, the Thrawn books are really the only exception, um, with, with several others, you know, the, we don't even have to go into those, but there's, this is really the big exception. And when I picked it up to kind of power through it this past weekend, what I realized is I got my hopes up so quickly in the first like 30 pages or so because we're back with that. um, God, what's her, what's her face? Thalias. We're back with that character. Yeah. And we are back with a a civilization that's talking about the force in a very different way. Like I was really hyped when they started talking about it as, you know, the beyond and they're, they're, 
for lack of better words, getting ready for mass suicide to join the, the great beyond in the force. And, and that kind of got me like really amped up and ready to go. And of course, as soon as I start to get into it, we get thrown into another one of those flashbacks, which I still hate. Um, we'll, we'll get into those, but then we, we never get anything more. And I thought that initial conflict and that initial interaction was so good. And I would have loved the next 400 pages to be more like the first, you know, 20 or 30 pages. And then it was just abandoned for the military and political quote unquote intrigue, which really was not all that intriguing because no one knows what's going on. Yeah. Well, and, and I really, and I, I've said this before and I hold by this, like the only reason these are these, these Thrawn books, especially the ascendancy ones are considered star Wars books is because Thrawn happens to be in Star Wars. Like, they're not very Star Wars-y books. You know, you, even when you look at military ones like uh, even Battlefront, the, the first Battlefront novel, which, you know, both of us are not uh, not fans of, but they the themes of Star Wars are in there. It's just, you know, we personally didn't like the characters or, or, and like we've said, are not really into the military side of things. But the themes of Star Wars, the ideas of Star Wars, those connections that bring us back are there. And this was you know, devoid of that, the, you know, after those first 30 or 40 pages. Because the, the, the mages and, and her species and this idea of, of you know, mass suicide, like as messed up as it sounds, it's very intriguing. And I'm like, oh, okay, you know, like this is something Thrawn's going to have to figure out how to solve. So this is going to make it really interesting because this is something that you've got invested in. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Very humanizing. And then the ruse at the end and they've just been completely manipulated mm-hmm. is like, and, and here's, Here's my problem. I, I don't have a problem in storytelling for the most part with, ha gotcha. I have a problem with it when it becomes the only th- twist that an author can use. Um, as much as I love J.K. Rowling um, as an author, personal things we can get, get aside, but she's un- undeniably a great writer. She always uses the oh, but they're actually this character. Ha ha, gotcha. And they were locked in a chest the whole time. Like she's used it like six or seven times. And now I'm like, if you give me another movie where a character I'm supposed to say think is one person the whole movie is another person, like we're done. Yeah. And that is what, what Zahn has fallen into is we're going to have mass confusion and everybody pushing for power the whole time and not really knowing what's going on or how these things are connected and then at the end it's going to be this big like trick that Thrawn is going to have to beat without letting everybody you know he beat it because then everything would fall apart I guess like okay don't stop going back to the well yeah there's a difference between using misdirection and just writing for convenience you know Mm -hmm. when you're using misdirection that plot point is is one where you're you go back and you reread something or you rewatch something and and you pick up on those little things like the, the any M Night Shyamalan movie uses misdirection so well where once you well, know the big secret anyone, you can but, but eh, I won't even use the big but like the movie signs right like 
you you go back and you watch signs after seeing it the first time and all those little things make sense you know the baseball bat the the water glasses all of these things that just seemed so weird before are all of a sudden used so effectively and they're just planted really well but they look like misdirection whereas in my opinion what zan's doing is he's just writing for convenience he can do in his mind, whatever he wants, whenever he wants to do it. And he doesn't need to put these plants in place throughout the story and build on them. It's just whenever he thinks a good time for a big, aha, I got you a moment is going to be, he's going to put it in whether he deserved it or not. Yeah. And, well, and to, to put it in Star Wars context, you know, Luke on crate is a great misdirect. Like when you go back and look at it, you're like, oh my God, how did I miss that? It's so obvious. Or even in, uh, Claudia Gray does a great job of it in Master and Apprentice, you know, with the, uh, the, the young lady who is, is becoming a queen and how she, like going back and reading that again, you're like, oh man, oh, the way even she just said like the this. Crystals. Yeah. Yeah. And just like, like little know. things like yeah. that is just like, okay, it's crazy like how all of this fits together. They clearly had a, a plan. And I don't want to say that Zahn didn't have a plan because I think he's a professional. I think he he has a, a, a long career for a reason. But I don't think yeah. he has variability to his stories. And, and No, no. He, he found what worked for him and now he kind of just has free range to blow it out of proportion. But like... Another Star Wars example of one where it's done really well is, you know, the one you're listening to now, Inferno Squad, where there's all these little little hints and you get to kind of figure out who she's with right now, you know, and you get to figure out who these characters are that we know from other stories. And it doesn't necessarily take away from the, the story, but then when you do figure it out and you do get certain names... It's more of a aha moment than a gotcha moment. And I like those aha moments better. Yeah, absolutely. And, and honestly, like just casually having this planet where you can pretend to make jewelry and basically a whole species and planet of beings just goes on with this manipulation without ever questioning yeah. or slipping yeah. is it's real. Like it, that's brutal. Um, there is one thing I, I did like about this book in the end, and, and it was uh, Lacpro and, and Agriculture Planet of, uh, I think it's Celsius, Celsius, uh, something of that nature. Oh, but where, wherever Hapleth was. Yeah, I, I thought yeah. that was a good use. There was a good use of symbolism and, and underlying connections there, um, you know, with the agriculture, you know, being similar to mining, you know, sowing these seeds, uh, the idea of, like, getting to the root of the issue. Like, there's so many, like... They a, ex, expa- I'm going to challenge you to expand on that to try and make me appreciate this more. I'm not, I'm not challenging you because I disagree. I'm challenging you because I would like to, at the end of this, understand your 2.5 rating and maybe even agree with it well here's so i don't think it is something that was pulled out as much as it could have been um but in terms like agriculture and mining are similar in terms of like getting something out of the earth and you know using it for the greater good um (laughs) you know and the idea of Jixodus and Haplif are sowing these seeds of dissension, uh, you know, through this, 
I almost said through the Sith, uh, through the the Chiss, um, and and you know, Thrawn has to get to the root of things. Like, there's these symbolic meanings that you can put onto it. I don't think it was necessarily as drawn or uh, as emphasized as it should be in a fantasy type story. I think you know there could have been a lot more done with you know Lacpro having conversation, which Lacpro, I'm sorry, is. That's another one that just like that's a rough name, um, you know. Having him have conversations while Haplif is sowing the seeds for their, you know, part of their land or different things like that. Um, so you know, symbolically, farming, agriculture, Earth—they have you know a lot of interpretations, um, you know, across all novels and all literature. Um, so those are. I'm, I'm not saying that they were well done. I'm just saying that they were present. And when we're uh, you know, digging for for anything to appreciate about the book, you got to start yeah. looking for those little things. Yeah, see, that's that I think is more of the point of contention for me, though, too, where it's it's right there in front of you, and instead of getting the chance to dive into it more or really focusing on that, it is then immediately pivoted to all the inter and intra family backstabbing and political powers and, and all of this other stuff that in my opinion just isn't interesting. And it all goes back. I cannot stress this enough. It all goes back to not having a character that we are really anchored with and not necessarily caring and not just because we can't keep them straight or pronounce their names. We just don't, care about any of these characters so why am i going to care and focus on who's betraying who and who's outmaneuvering who and who's keeping track of this or that i just don't care well and i i think one of the telltale signs of kind of the corner that zan has painted himself in with thrawn as a character overall and also like the nostalgia fascination with him has painted this in. And we got into this in, in the, on the last episode of Clashing Sabres, so I don't feel the full need to go into the full rant yeah. um, that I did there. What a, but, what a good plug. Oh, man. Um, it, I needed to get that off my chest. But when you have to have two characters have a conversation about your protagonist being undefeatable and that they just need to try to get whatever they can off of his, you know, not getting everything right or minor failures. Like, they, you have two characters. One who escalates, you know, in uh, Thurfian, who escalates to the top of the Chiss, or at least the top of the, I don't know, the top of the family, top of the Chiss, who knows, um, at the end. And you have him saying, like, Thrawn is unbeatable. Like, there's nothing we can do. I guess we'll just try to, you know, get whatever yeah. we can out of this. That is a huge problem because you've literally just said, hey, by the way, this character is a Mary Sue in the actual mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. usage of the term, yeah. not in the derogatory way. Not that in a people, derogatory way, yeah. No, a, a, a Mary Sue, by definition, before it got kind of connotated in all the, the BS around Ray and everything, was a self-insert character who is author's self-gratification um and and they characters essentially unbeatable 
Like they just kind of skate by. And that you have you have painted yourself into such a corner with this character and your your personification of this character that you have to have two characters have an actual conversation about that to tell the audience, yeah, I know. That is a huge problem. Um, yeah. And to me, that was the the moment where this book went from. I'll even stretch to say a four. Um, that's a big stretch, but I'll be nice and say a four to very, very much going down uh, to to a two and a half and trending downward. The more I even have to think about that conversation happening, that it's you're giving ammo to the fanboys and the people that are letting these characters, these nostalgia characters, come back without having to have any substance. And that's yep. going to, that's going to, they gonna, should always have to reprove themselves. Exactly. Exactly. Like if, if you had Luke show up in, in Mandalorian, okay. And you had him just walk in and be like, yeah, I'm taking Grogu and walk out without the, you know, the proving, you know, the, uh, the entrance that this he has. I'm gonna, yeah. I'm going to save the protagonist. Right. I'm going to show, like we the, see how much this means to Luke where he didn't just see that and and walk away basically. Right. Or or you know even you know to go to the the loop that I like the calmness and the peace that he has mm-hmm. when offering to like he doesn't demand that Grogu go with him. He doesn't, you know, say oh, I'm a Jedi, I'm taking him right. Like he reproves himself there, you know? And, and you this is what this is what scares me about this. And this is why I'm so passionate about Thrawn in particular uh, and the problem that he creates is everybody got so upset about Luke and the Last Jedi, completely ignoring the fact that he grows as a character, completely ignoring the fact that that is part of the hero's journey. It's very Arthurian. Like, there's a quote from Ryan Johnson. I actually saved this on my phone and not for this occasion, but just cause I, I like having it here. And it says, if you look at any classic myth uh, that is actually worth its salt at the beginning of the hero's journey, like with King Arthur, he pulls the sword from the stone stone and he's ascended. He has setbacks, but he unites all the kingdoms. But then if you keep reading when it deals with the hero's life, that they get into in the middle age and beyond it's always starting or goes into darker places and there's a reason for that it's because myths are not made to sell action figures myths are made to reflect the most difficult transitions we go through in life and the reason that luke and last jedi works is is because he grows from that i hate luke at the beginning of the last jedi too that's the point you're supposed to exactly exactly i hate mace windu that's the point. <laughs> like legit. Like I don't think people. No, re- I know. Like, I know. We've lost that nuance, and to me, it shows in stories like this, where it's like I'm going to give you a whole bunch of really cool bells and whistles, and expect you to just glance by the fact that the characters don't work. I the- mean, it also does not bode well at all that this is how we are now going into the third and ideally final book because. Once you have that conversation and once you put that out there, where do you go from that? Because now having other characters beat this this godlike, you know, being, it doesn't seem plausible or believable. But if if they don't, it's not an interesting story. It's oh good, Thrawn wins again. You know, it's it's just there's no intrigue there at all for me. Well, and and going into 
you know, getting Thrawn in the Ahsoka show or whatever, you know, like we're going to get him in live action. Like it's going to happen. I'm not looking forward to it, but like, how am I, I don't know. Like to me, I, yeah. Well, I was just going to say to me, like doing that with a character and then having somebody beat them is not, it's not a good way of telling a story like yeah well and like if you go to like this happens before rebels right so you get to you know ezra beating thrawn in rebels like theoretically you go like oh okay well how cool or how you know good is ezra or whatever but no there's a disconnect in the character and i'm gonna make a pro wrestling analogy here just because to me, like pro wrestling is the most basic kind of, of storytelling. It like they don't complicate and it a lot. You mean professional wrestling or like in support of wrestling? No, like professional wrestling. Like professional okay. wrestling <laughs> storytelling. No, no, no. Just uh, yeah. Like when you have a top guy, you don't make him unbeatable. That's boring. You have him get beat enough so that people go "Mm, this guy could do it this guy could do it that's how you sell pay-per-views that's how you get more subscribers like if you look at like steve austin you know during his height in the 90s like he did not he won like regularly on you know the the tv shows but he won like 50 50 70 30 on the pay-per-views because having this character who was the top guy. Everybody knew he was the top guy. Everybody knew nobody was taking him down from being the top guy. Like, you had uh, these other great wrestlers around him who weren't going to knock him off his his spot. Like, it was just wasn't going to happen because of the support that he had. But you needed to make it believable that this character, this guy could lose. And because yeah. he could lose, he could lose all of this. And you okay. haven't set that up with Thrawn. You could have done it in the second book. Um, you could have done it in the the book literally called Treason. You could have done it in the first book and set him up from behind for the next two books and taken two whole books to show us how great Thrawn is overcoming this. But instead, what you did is you ended the book, the first book with, you know, we'll just stick with the Ascendancy one. You ended the first book with him winning again. You ended the second book mm-hmm. with him winning again. And what you did at the end is you just put this little nugget of, hey, here's a thing you didn't expect. Come back for more. And it's like, why? <laughs> He's going to beat that too. Like, I can yeah. tell you what's going to happen in the th- third book. Here you go. Spoiler alert for, for the third book. He's going to find out about the weapon. The weapon is going to seem unbeatable. It's going to be a technology that people have never used before and nobody has ever seen before. Nobody's going to have any idea what to do about it. Thrawn's going to have all these other problems that he's got to deal with while also having to figure out how to stop this weapon. He's somehow going to use the other problem to solve that problem and he's going to get beloved. Okay. I want to pause there because I agree with all of this and I think it is fantastic points, but what's more aggravating for me and we fall into this time and time again with anything Thrawn related is I can deal with a poor plot, you know, and I can deal with a predictable plot if it's worth it. Right. I don't think Thrawn is worth it because to me, the message that they are trying to get across consistently, consistently falls short. I think that Thrawn has always in Timothy's on and in, you know, Disney's head. 
Thrawn has become about loyalty, right? And and where do your allegiances lie? Look at even just the names of the books. And this one, the back cover even says um, something about, you know, deciding between fleet and family. And I just don't feel like we have ever once successfully done this with Thrawn, where I put the book down and I understand the message other than just, hey, here's this cool guy. You know, this one, if if it really is supposed to be about fleet or family, I didn't see that at all because everyone's just trying to take each other down. You know, it's it's no loyalty whatsoever. And every single time there's been a Thrawn story, I don't see him making these difficult choices and I don't see him struggling with these things that the back cover and the plot synopsis says he's struggling with. I don't see it. Well, I, I, I think you're 100% spot on. You know, and I don't think, you know, our two points are, are mutually exclusive because... No, no, no. That's that's why I bring it up because it's it seems to tie in where what Theron is doing and what the publishers think he's doing are seems to be, seem to be a very big disconnect. Yeah. And so, you know, great example. You have these three families who are pulling people from the fleet to go, you know, try to take this planet and gain, you know, power back and, and end up in the ruling families and everything. Okay, cool. Like, oh my God, this is going to start a civil war. Okay, cool. Second book in, in out of three, you know, this is the, the, the darker middle act, uh, you know, middle act. It's the attack of the clones. It's the empire strikes back. It's where things fall apart and our heroes lose. And we want to come back and see him victorious. All right. Like, okay, cool. Let's start a whole civil war with the Chiss. Like this sounds great. Doesn't happen. No, no, it's, it's just disappointing the entire way through. I really believe it. Yeah. I mean, Lindsay, I'm going to be honest. Like I really have no interest talking about, about this book anymore. I would like to hear your predictions of, of what we're going to get in the third book since I kind of laid mine out. Um, I mean, I don't disagree with you. That's the problem. And I'm, I'm trying to think of a big catch. I mean, when do, do we know when the third book is going to leave us uh, timeline wise? We don't. I don't think we necessarily know. Well, we have hints of where no. these yeah. happen. Um, it's kind of happening during the Clone Wars era because of where the first book crossed over with... Um, the what's the the one with uh with Anakin and and Thrawn and Vader and Thrawn uh, the remember. second one the second one yeah, so, yeah I don't uh, know traitor or something one. like that no. I don't know it's the uh, one with the white cover yeah yeah uh huh good that's helpful yeah hang on wait I think I have it on my shelf uh, actually though I will say with this book I either need to start getting rid of books or get a bigger bookshelf um so so there's that but the the reason I ask is because I would not be surprised at this point if um it leaves us oh thrown alliances it leaves us where he is essentially being sent into the empire you know i think we're we're about to see him kind of quote quote unquote stranded and abandoned and and left for them to find i i don't know how exactly but i wouldn't be surprised if even in an epilogue you know that's that's the final point I, I would agree with that. I think that, you know, the that's kind of, well, here's the thing. It's what makes sense, which doesn't necessarily mean that's what we're going to get, right? But the 
original like book, the original Thrawn book in in the new canon, um, set up this idea that you know Thrawn had got kicked out of the Chiss, but then later it's kind of like, no, he actually didn't. He chose to go. And how does that all work and everything like that, right? And so I think it would make sense having something like that where he either makes the decision or is sent out and and who knows? You know, like, here's the thing. Timothy Zahn's been doing this for a long time. And I'm not here to say, like, he doesn't know how to do his job. I'm not here to say that he's a bad writer or anything like that. Um, I think we've made a good point of him kind of falling into, this is what I do, and I'm just going to keep redoing it with different bells and whistles. I think he definitely has it in him to be able to pull something out of his backside so good that it makes everything else look even better. I hope so. But I hope so. I'm not optimistic about it. And... So with that in mind, and we we have been. I just want to say we have been optimistic. I feel like what you and I need to do is before the third one comes out, record a conversation because every single time a throne book comes out, you and I kind of fall into that trap of like maybe this will change our mind. You know, I, I certainly don't want anyone thinking that we're going into this so with such cynicism that we're just going to hate anything that Thrawn is in or Thrawn's name is on because we are hopeful every single time. But uh, I, I also think maybe next time for the third one, we bring on more of a Thrawn fan than you. And I well, yeah. We, and and yeah, here's the thing. Yeah. Here's the thing, right? Like Battlefront, the original, you know, Battlefront novel that Alexander Freed did is it still holds as my least favorite book. It's, it's even with not liking Thrawn, it's going to take a lot to, to undo that. But the other books that Alexander Freed has written, Rogue One, um, he didn't do Catalyst. What's the other one? I'm blanking on the other one that he did. Ah, he didn't what? do iJet, did he? No, no, no. There's another one. I mean, okay, so he I'm did blanking that. on. He does Alphabet. Oh yeah, Alphabet. That's what I'm forgetting. He does Alphabet Squadron. Like, even though Alphabet Squadron is not my particular cup of tea as far as like the Starfighter cores and everything goes, I really do like those books, right? Like, yeah. and I go and optimistically. Again, it always into- goes back to the cam, the the camera, the characters, right? And and those have at least one or two characters in every story that I I can either relate to or I'm rooting for. It's been a long time since Zahn has written a character that I am actively rooting for. And then, like, I'm never going to go into a Star Wars anything without being optimistic. Like, it, like I have Courtship of Princess Leia sitting on my shelf. Like, I'm excited to read that book just because I want to be able to understand all the things that people are talking about, about how terrible the book is, right? Like, even, there's even that element <laughs> that could be added to things, yeah. right? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like... But it's like the movie Cats. You just got to watch it to understand why it's so bad. Right. But it creates the conversation points. Yeah. You know, like I would like to, you know, with like the the Marvel shows, for example, I'd love to wait and watch all of them at this, you know, the binge all of Loki. But I want to be able to know what people are talking about and have those conversations. That's that's fun for me. It's it's why I get on the Internet. And I really genuinely do enjoy that. And if you're listening to this and you want to have a conversation and, and sway my opinion about Thrawn, like as always, you know, I'm open to that. But yeah, I think it's you very and I have telling proven time and time again that our our opinions can be changed after the oh. very first Alphabet Squadron. I remember neither you or myself were crazy big fans of it. But after one conversation with Sam, we were like, yeah. 
I get it. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, just go back and listen to to the last episode. You changed my opinion on on the uh, crossover characters, like yeah. on the air. So, like, my best victory. On this, it, on it was this pretty good. I'm so pr- I'm I'm still proud of you. Um, but you know, like, I'm always going to go into it with that optimism that all right, this could be the one that changes my mind. Partially because it's Star Wars and it's about hope, and partially because that's just who I am as a person. But I think it's very telling of uh, you know the fact that. People, you know, I'm, I'm in quite a few Star Wars Facebook groups and people post when they get the Thrawn books and, and stuff like that. But I never hear anybody talking about it after. I still hear people talking point. about Master and Apprentice. People still bring up Lost Stars and are having conversations about that. You know, like um, there's there's a sect of us that are still talking about, you know, Inferno Squad and, and even <laughs> the sect us two right here. Yeah, exactly. Um <laughs> But like even, oh God, go to, to books, you know, that I wasn't super crazy about aftermath people. There's still, I see conversations happening about that. I see conversations mm-hmm. happening about last shot. Like it's not just yeah, like one song is done. It's kind of just done though. Yeah. It's, it's out there, you know, like I never yeah. see anybody like posting when they get the paperback copy of it or posting like, Hey, should I read this? Like there's the nostalgia for Thrawn is very yeah. well ingrained in the people that it's ingrained in, but I don't think he's a character that's bringing new people in. I, and, yes, yes. Amazing way to put it. And I think it's, I want to check, is it Troy Denning wrote Tatooine Ghost, I think? Uh, because I yeah. think he actually kind of wrote Thrawn the best by not writing him at all. Instead, he is he's like the, the monsters in... Um, and I'm only thinking this cause I just saw the second one last week. Um, but like the, the first quiet place where like part of the reason why they're so scary is cause you don't see them. Mm-hmm. You just see how afraid other people are of them. And I think that was the most effective way to portray Thrawn. Light of the Jedi does a good job of that with the great disaster. I think you get yes, just yeah. enough to understand what happened and what the threat is, but it doesn't try to go into explaining exactly how all of this works. There's big pe- well, spoiler alert for Light of the Jedi. There's big pieces coming out of hyperspace and it's killing people and it could make all of the Republic fall apart. Cool. Got it. Then the threat doesn't become the actual hitting of the planets. It becomes the possibility of the hitting of the planets. And that's terrifying. So yeah, a hundred percent. You know, it's it, it's funny. It's kind of I was talking with a with a, one of my teacher friends um, yesterday, and I was like, yeah, like when when I have a kid who's messing up, like I'll I'll lean into their ear and just be like, hey, right now you're being a problem, and you can either be the problem or the solution. <laughs> and if you're not going to be the solution, then I'm going to have to be, and you're not going to like it. That means nothing. That literally means nothing other than get your act together. But it's ominous enough. That kids go, uh, I'm going to stop doing that. I can't, I'm not going to do anything. I can't do anything. Like, you know, they have our hands tied. Like, I literally just do it to add that intimidation factor, not because I want the kids to be scared of me, but because I want them to realize the possibility that what they're doing could get them into a lot of trouble. And you need something impactful and ominous and and Big Brother-like to do that, right? And... Maybe that's an effective way to handle Thrawn is to not have Thrawn there, but to have the threat of Thrawn there. And maybe that's what we're going to get in the Ahsoka series. I, I have a lot more hope for Thrawn in other people's hands than I do for him in, in Zahn's hands. So while I'm not looking forward to the to the third book, 
I very much am interested. I won't say I'm excited, but I'm interested yeah. to see what they do with him on the silver screen yeah. or on the small screen. That's fair. That's All right. Fair. Um, yeah, I guess I, it's, I, I it's don't think you to... could get any lower. Uh, so no, I'm going to assume yours is pretty low. Still at, still at one. You did not um, sway me at all. Still, still well, one. I would rather read the first Battlefront again. You, uh, I don't know if you swayed me or just running my mouth swayed me, but yeah, I'm with you. It's a one. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like I, didn't, I yeah. didn't do anything other than just ask you to elaborate and you yourself talk yourself out of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, again, guys, I try to be as optimistic as possible and I'm, I'm all for trying to find the good in things, but you know. Uh, fool me once, you know, fool me twice. Like it, it, it at this point we're yeah, at four or we're five. Going five times. <laughs> yeah. Like ye, the, uh, we'll say four. Cause the first Thrawn, the first, the first Thrawn was Thrawn. excellent. I, I don't mean air of vampire or outbound light. I mean the first Thrawn. Yeah. Like the Thrawn first. novel, yeah. which uh, again, yeah. like let's stop naming people, naming things after people's names because it's exhausting <laughs> having to say the Ahsoka novel or the Kenobi show. Like let's call it something else. But uh, yeah, I'm 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 at a one. Um, I would say if you are a Thrawn fan and you're listening to this, like one, like hit me up, like let's have a conversation about it. Um, but you've probably already read this book. If you're not a Thrawn fan and you were listening to this to to figure out if you should read it, I'm not gonna say don't, but I am gonna say we've got Rising Storm coming out. We have uh, you know, oh god, what's the other YA novel? There's there's all kinds of good stuff coming out that. Oh, uh, that's I the Daniel Jose older one. Right? Yeah, yeah. There's there's some good it's, good um, stuff coming out. Race to Crash Point Tower. Right, which which I think yeah. is going to be uh you know we've talked about this. That's going to be again with something that you know hasn't hit for me is Daniel Jose older. Uh, ha- just hasn't quite hit for me yet, but I'm optimistic, and I, I really do think that this is going to be the one that that hits for me because I think he's an excellent writer, and and I'm really looking forward to seeing his take on the force in this era uh people will not stop literally like just raving about um rising storm so there's a lot of really good star wars coming out and we're gonna you know be here to cover it all you guys know you know if you've been with us for a while we're gonna stay on the the hopeful side of things and really try to um you know look at the good but we're also going to be realistic and and academically try to critique what works and what doesn't because uh, you know that's important to be able to do we should be able to have these academic conversations about it and walk away and and you know like if i have the pleasure of you know getting to sit down with timothy zahn and have a conversation about it i'd love to to have that conversation and have him change my mind and, and you know but uh his writing his writing hasn't done it quite yet so again Maybe November will change our minds. Come back in in December, or maybe January of twenty twenty two, depending on how long it takes Lindsay to read read that one. So, yeah. it's just uh, so hard. Lindsay, while they are uh, waiting to hear more of your fantastic opinions, um, <laughs> where can they reach out to you now that you are canceled on Twitter? <laughs> Luckily, no one's canceled me on our Facebook group just yet. Yeah. Um, so yet being over the keyword. Yeah. 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 We'll see what happens after this airs. Um, head over though to the Facebook group, Clashing Sabers. Um, we're always just poking around. Again, I love when people can change my mind. So just like B, if you love Thrawn and and you want to tell me why I'm wrong, 
I might argue with you, but in a very friendly, civil way. And I would love if you could change my mind. So please go ahead, tag me there, drop a post there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then, of course, you can hear more of our stuff over on Patreon, and we've got some stuff in the works there. Um, you can get before the show stuff and also support our uh, literacy initiative by just donating a uh, dollar a month. That's only $12 a year. That's what it, everybody likes to compare it to a cup of coffee. So my coffees are cheap. So that's like three cups of coffee. So, you know, you, you can make those at home and, and get a kid a book. So uh, until next time, guys, of course, you know, we are over on Twitter at Clashing Sabers, Instagram, all of that good stuff. You can find all of those links there. And uh, make sure you subscribe so you get all the good stuff that's coming out. I know Sith Talk's got episodes coming out, Clashing Sabers, of course. Uh, I know Mark and Adriana are all hard at work at show on shows. So there's some good stuff coming out here uh, really soon to, to blow up your feed. And if you're watching Bad Batch um, or you're getting caught up on Bad Batch, I have an analysis article on ClashingSabers.net for each one of those looking at the symbolism and uh, themes that are in there and trying to parse out um, kind of messages that they are trying to convey through uh, this fantastic Through Moochie the Rancor. Moochie the Rancor, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> Moochie is Wrecker. Wrecker is Moochie. Uh, and if you, you want more of that, you can uh, go listen to the, the most recent episode of Clashing Sabers. But I'm running my mouth. Um, it's a lot of fun. We love you guys. We hope you will come back for the next book that comes out. Um, but until then, keep reading, keep writing. But whatever you do, don't burn the sacred text. All right, by this point, you know how this goes. Their stuff, their stuff, our stuff, our stuff. Not associated with Lucasfilm. Kathleen Kennedy, give me a call. Dave Filoni, I'm there if you need me. Our thoughts? They're our thoughts. They don't reflect Lucasfilm or anybody else associated with this stuff. So, if you don't like it, we're sorry. If you do like it, great. Let us know either way on iTunes, on whatever podcatcher you're listening to us on. Rate us, review us, share us, tell your friends about us, and dadgummit, whatever you do, just don't burn the sacred text. <laughs>